Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Well, we are excited, and I'm so glad that uh, we're going to wrap up our series today on Reconciled. And so I want to just kind of recap the last two weeks. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that God can use anyone. If you love that, say amen. Yeah, he can use me, he can use you, he can use anyone. Last week, we looked at the life of Tamar and how God used this amazing story of sin and redemption and had it written into the Christmas story. It, it's all being reconciled with God. That's what that story was about all last week. And so today, I want to talk to you today about how God wants us to be reconciled with one another. And this is such an important message for the world that we live in today and in our lives. The word reconciliation is loaded with emotion and complexity of every form. If you were in the accounting world, for something to reconcile, it means for all the numbers to add up, everything balances, everything is made right, that's what it means to have reconciliation, that they reconcile. But what about that other person in your life? What about that other person? And this is relevant this week because why? Well, because we're going to get around the table with someone, somebody that maybe you don't want to be there or be with, all right? Or that they're not at the table because reconciliation does not describe your relationship. Or you're not going to that other person's house because there is no reconciliation. But Christmas, what happens at this time of year, seems to shine a spotlight on whatever that relationship is in your life individually. What happens is if there's a relationship that's not right between you, you have to start doing all these mental gymnastics, don't you? Because that's what takes place this time of year. Really, it's, 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 it's spotlighted, it's magnified. So the mental gymnastics that happens inside of us is kind of crazy. Like, do we give them a gift? I'm not sure. Or, or do we invite them over to our house or do we go over to their house? Do, do I take their call when I see it come through? Then you start picking out a card for them and it reads, Merry Christmas have the most wonderful time of the year. You're the best. Well, I can't send that type of card. I'm not sure I want them to have a Merry Christmas, right? We've all been there. Is there a card that just says Christmas, and I'm just going to sign my name to it? I think I'll go with that one, right? So what we do, especially as men, men, are you here with us? today, yes, okay, that we kind of sometimes as men, we just push that all aside and we just want to ignore it. And, uh, you know, we just work harder, you know, and we just want to push it away. Then all of a sudden Christmas starts approaching and you can't push it down any longer, can you? You can't because it keeps coming back or instead of thinking about it, you just crank up the Christmas music. Christmas music makes everything better, doesn't it? Really does. The problem is that most of the Christmas music we listen to talks about reconciliation as well. Have you noticed that? Isn't it amazing how many times we let the words of songs just blow right by us? You know, growing up, I remember singing Christmas songs just like you, right? And on one occasion, I remember my family singing to our 
grandparents and uh, my mom's mom and dad, the song, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. And everybody, we know that, right? As we know these words so well, we wish you a Merry Christmas, wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to you and your kin. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And as far as I knew as a child, that was the whole song. But apparently there's a second verse that I did not know about that my family kept singing, my older siblings, that they're singing to my grandparents. And then my family continued and bring us some figgy pudding. Figgy pudding, figgy pudding, right? Figgy pudding. And bring it right here. You may look and see, I don't know if they have the picture up, but we, I, I had a picture of figgy pudding. I'm not sure if they caught that or not, but, but I don't know if you've ever seen figgy pudding or ever tasted figgy pudding, but, but let me tell you something. Um, I mean, was I the only dumb one to, know, to not know that figgy pudding was in there? I mean, how many? Did you know that? How many of you knew that? So many of you did. I'm, I'm the dumb one amongst the many on some, but what on earth is figgy pudding? Well, if you look it up, you shouldn't eat it, okay? Okay, I just want you to know that because it has its root in Britain. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying because it's in Britain, but, but they put dates and figs in there. Figgy pudding, don't ever eat it. Like what? The British made it. Well, the British are coming with figgy pudding, you know, something like that. But here's the po- point. You've heard it so many times, and it blows right by you that we sing these Christmas songs, and we, we talk about them, and we sing Christmas songs today, and many times what we do is we just sing them, and we don't think about the words. I don't know about you. I'm the type of person, when I sing something, I think about the words. How many of you are with me? That it's just not a song and a beat and lyrics and all that, but it's something, what, is, what am I saying that is very meaningful, and what is going on in me, and what's taking place? You know, I want to be real with that in the moment, and, and think about that. And so many times we've heard songs, and at this Christmas, whatever relationship is broken in you, some way at this point, you're going to sing a song, you're going to listen to a song, and some of the songs that we hear so many times is this important song of, you know, peace on the earth, mercy mild, God and sinners, what? Reconciled, hark the herald angels sing. Most of us will say, well, yeah, I know that Jesus was sent from God because we need to be right again. We need to be right with him. God came. That is the message of Christmas. So we believe that. But I want to take you today because we've been talking about having this ministry of reconciliation. And this is where it really hits home today. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me today to Colossians chapter 1. This was written some 20 to 30 years after Jesus was crucified, and he gives us a glimpse into the Christmas story. And he writes the Christmas story without even using the word Christmas. It's amazing. And so chapter 1, 1 Colossians chapter 1, he says, 19, for God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him. Who is that? Jesus. This is the kind of the mystery of Christianity, that God took all of himself and put everything he had in Jesus and through him to reconcile, there's our word, to himself all things, whether on earth or things in heaven, by making peace. Wow. The whole story of Christmas is the word reconciliation. It is. And if you ever wondered why around the time of Christmas, that relationship has a spotlight in your life or feels, you know, kind of a little weightier, 
you just thought it was all the details that you were working out. I got to go here. I got to go to this party. I got to buy this gift for that. You just thought it was all that, but it's more than that. No, don't be confused because everything about Christmas is about reconciliation. And I want you to think about this today. I just hope that I can cause you to think deeply about this because all of us have relations. We're affected by them one way or another. But at Christmas, relational tension is magnified. Why? Because I'm not experiencing the very thing I'm celebrating. Reconciliation. And we wonder why this time of year, it feels so weighty upon us. It's because that's what this season represents at its core. That is the meaning of it, reconciliation. God, thank you so much at Christmas for reconciling with me. God, for forgiving me of my sins and sending Jesus to this earth. Maybe God's looking down at us and and going, well, that's great about you and I, but, but what about others being reconciled in your life? That God sent Jesus Not so that we can just be good, right, with God, so that we can be good with others. And Jesus says some pretty shocking statements in the Bible. We know this. One time a religious elite came and asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered, the first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. But he didn't stop there, did he? He went on and he continued with this in the second command that's just as equal, and you cannot separate it from the first part of it, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. They go together. Some, maybe today, as you listen to this, maybe you're going to kind of push back on this hard because the person who's been popping into your mind since maybe the beginning of our time together, you know the things that are out of sorts, but what happens is In our defense, in our defense, there's kind of four points I want us to just take a look at here. In our defense, number one, it was almost all their fault anyways. Or it was all their fault for what took place, right? And we rationalize that in our mind. It was, you know, it was almost all their fault. Or it was all their fault right from the beginning. Also, number two, they've never taken a legitimate first step. It was their fault. They've never come back and taken a step towards reconciliation in that divorce or in that business deal that went bad a number of years back. They've never come back and taken that legitimate first step back towards me or or that family member, what they did to me, what they said about me the last time we got together or what somebody posted about me, that they've never come back and taken a first step towards me. And hey, third it costs too much. I mean, come on. They can't repay or put the pieces back together. No way. They cannot repay or put anything back together. What they say, said or what they did, the emotion, the physical pain that went with that, that they caused in my life, it caused too much. You know, it kind of would be like the United States paying back trillions of dollars to pay off its debts tomorrow, and it's not going to happen. And besides, for some of us is, number four, I've already tried, and they don't care or they won't reconcile. In your life, we think of this, that we've probably had all four of these in a relationship. And we would say, of course we have, because we've all had it, because we're all human. If you're married or dating, come on, guys, men in the room, it was always her fault. 
right from the beginning, right? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, it was always her fault. She, she never told you you weren't supposed to leave your clothes on the ground, right? I mean, how was I supposed to know? And she's never taken a first step to reconcile with you. And besides, she can't even take back the words that she said to you, right? She called you barbaric for leaving those clothes on the ground, right? And you've told her she's wrong, and you've tried, and you've cross-examined her many times. Matter of fact, you even brought in witnesses to confirm, and she still doesn't care. And when you think about these four, which one of these four points is toughest for you? Which one of these four is toughest? Which one? You know, if it feels like somebody's wronged me, I'm going to talk about myself now. If it feels like somebody's wronged me, and they're 51% at fault, of course they should take the first step. Why should I take the first step? Which one's hardest for you? Any one of these four can easily become our justification for not having to reconcile with somebody else. But if you've if you've never understood at Christmas time why that relationship feels really weighty, this is huge. The reason Christmas shines such a spotlight on broken relationship is because this is huge. God had every single one of those excuses not to reconcile with us. Could it be in your life and mine? What if this Christmas... I'm withholding the very thing I'm celebrating. What if you and I are, this Christmas, we're withholding the very thing that we are celebrating at the same time that what God did for you and what God did for me, what if deep down inside we're thanking God, thank you God for not holding me to that standard, but I will hold other people to a standard that you don't hold me to. It's almost all their fault. Come on, I can rationalize that one very easy. It's almost all their fault. Matter of fact, it is all their fault. God had to send Jesus to reconcile with us because that's what he had to do. Whose fault was it that he had to send Jesus to reconcile with us? In a court case, it would be like, you know, in my own mind, well, 0% God though, but it's 100% us in a court case. It was all of our fault. Because why? Because Romans reminds me in 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I love the remainder of these verses in Colossians. That is such a reminder of Christmas, even though it doesn't say the word Christmas. It says, how did this happen? Well, through his blood, shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, I mean, have you ever felt alienated from God the same way you're alienated from that other person? Yeah. And we're enemies in your minds, he says, because of your evil behavior. Remember how you treated that person? Remember how you treated that girlfriend? Remember how you treated your spouse? Since the history of humanity, we've given God an endless list of reasons not to reconcile with us. I gave God an endless list of reasons not to reconcile with me. We all have. But now, something's changed, he says in Colossians. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish. And what we love about Christianity, more important than anything else, is these last couple of words, free 
from accusation. Amen? We love that. That God kind of re-reconciles with us as we are reminded that the thing you did, the thing you told And we pray to the Lord, God, thank you for keeping me safe. And thank you for watching over my family. And thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And then God is like, are you and I good? But more importantly, are you good with her? Are you good with him? God, that's different. It was their fault from the beginning. So glad, God, that you don't hold me to the same standard I hold others to. Thank you, God. I mean, they've never taken a legitimate first step. They have not. The most amazing thing about Christmas to me is that God took the first step. That just amazes me. God took the first step towards me. I didn't take the first step towards him, ever. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates, demonstrates, demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love the message version of this. It says, he didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. Wow. He didn't go, you know what? I'm sending, uh, I'm not sending my son down there until you get your act together. Right? I'm just going to wait this out. We would still be waiting, wouldn't we? That God took the first step with me. Now, parents, you know this. You know this. When your child got so upset with you, and they ran into their bedroom, and they slammed the door, maybe more than once. They crack, crack, crack. They're just so mad at you. And, and they, you, know, you know your child that has so strong-willed, so mad at you, ran into the room, slammed the door multiple times. And, and some of you have kids that still do that. Okay, but anyways, but they go in the room, they, they're mad. And what, I mean, we had to do this with our, with our oldest daughter, Claire. We had to take the door off of the hinges, right? So that she would go in there and she'd lock it, right? How many of you know that? Parents? Yeah, some of you are in that because, you know, they just went in there and did it so much. It's like, no, the door comes off now. You're not going to keep doing that, right? So, but what, why did you as a parent go back into the room time and time and time again? Why did you take the first step, even if one was their fault? There's one word, love. For God so loved the world. Jesus did it for you and for me. He took the first step towards us. He always does. And I want you to know this. You will be more like Jesus when you take the first step towards reconciliation with others. You will be more like Jesus when you take the first step towards reconciliation with others. But we live in a world where we withhold. No, I'm just going to back off. I'm mad at you. You didn't take a first step towards me. You ticked me off. Right? What they said about me. And what we do is we stand back off of that. But you and I are more like Jesus at that point when we come and we take the first step towards reconciliation and we try to work this thing out. We try to figure this thing out because we are called to do that as believers in Christ. 
Well, it costs way too much. They can't repay it. We rationalize. What did reconciliation cost God? Does his word say in Colossians today, by making peace through an email, a letter, a plane ticket, a really awkward conversation? No, what did it cost God? Through his blood that was shed on the cross. That is reconciliation. Now, I want you to know, as many of you already do know, reconciliation takes time, doesn't it? It's not like snap, wave the magic wand, and it happens overnight. It doesn't happen that way. It would be great. But maybe, maybe a phone call will help. Maybe it is over coffee. You can have the conversation. Because why? It's really never intuitive in humanity to do this. But it will never cost you what it costs God to reconcile with you. Are you with me today, church? Are you with me? Because this is a very important message in a world that is desperately in need of reconciliation. Desperately. Desperately. You know, it's amazing. Yesterday, as people came through the line to receive their food, and we got to pray with them and talk with them, and so much brokenness and so much that is going on. I mean, people, almost every person wanted to receive prayer yesterday coming through. There's such a hunger, there's such a need. And I remember one guy coming through and receiving a box. He said, thank you to this church that blesses this community, and thank you for this box of food. And I remember in his eyes, as he's moved to tears, he says, I just wish the world could get along, that we could just, more people would just give out more bread and love each other. You know, that, that's the heart cry that we all feel that we're going through. I mean, you know, this is, this is what came to his heart. But listen, reconciliation, it never costs you and I what it costs God. And many of us get it, we get into it and we say, well, I, you know, I've already tried, had the conversation, did the phone call, and they didn't care, and they won't reciprocate, uh, but neither did you. That God came running time after time after time with his offer of reconciliation to you. Some left God in the rear view for years saying, no, I'm not interested. I don't care. Some of you, he's still chasing after you today as you listen to this message. That's why you're here today and you're listening. What I love about the story of Christmas, though, is he never withdrew his offer of reconciliation just because we wouldn't receive it. Right? But we don't use that same standard with other people many times. We don't. As December 25th approaches, let's celebrate what God, that God did come. And we didn't deserve it, but we can celebrate it that he took the first step when we never would have. And never did. And it cost him more than what you and I could ever repay. And he continues to offer even when we refuse it. Many of us maybe walked away from God 20, 30 years, uh, but he still holds out the offer and still did hold out the offer of reconciliation. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. So here's what I want to propose today. And this is really practical, these next couple of points, the whole message in one sentence, that if we really want reconciliation, if we really want peace, not only this time of year, but in our lives, why not demonstrate what we celebrate? 
why not demonstrate the very thing that we're celebrating this time of year, that God did send Jesus to us and redeemed us and reconciled us with him, and he wants to reconcile us with others. So if we're going to celebrate what God did for us, why not demonstrate to other people in our lives, as hard as that may be? And here are kind of three practical steps. Why don't you, number one, make the first move? Some won't make the first move because what it does is it makes them look too weak, right? Well, I did nothing wrong here. They're 51% at fault. No way am I coming. Why don't you make the first move? It's the exact opposite. What happens is the person that comes and wants reconciliation, it makes you look strong. See, the most mature person always makes the first move, even if it was all that other person's fault. Second, handle with humility. You have to approach this with humility, right? Think about how God approached us at Christmas. You know, if I were God, I would have sent lightning bolt, thunder, earthquake. You heathens, you're terrible people, right? Most of us would do that, right? And that's what we do with other people when we are not reconciled with them. We come in with fists blazing, right? Look what you did. God approached us with a little baby on a simple night, born in the equivalent of the worst Motel 6 with bed bugs. And he approached us with humility, right? He didn't come in blazing. He came in humble. He came in submissive. To reconcile with someone, you have to approach it with humility, Third thing I'd like to say is, remember, you own the offer, not the result. Reconciliation is a two-way street. In your mind, when you're like, I'm going to write that letter, I'm going to have that conversation, you say all the right things, and that person agrees with all you say, and there's perfect reconciliation, and music starts playing in the background of your life, it may not happen that way at all, right? Because you don't own full reconciliation. You own the offer. You don't own the result. But if you approach it with humility, what I want to let you know is you're on a good path. So my takeaway today as I bring this down, that you would just take these three points, make the first move, handle with humility. Remember, you own the offer and not the result. Come with the heart of humility to that situation, that circumstance, the coworker, a friend, a student, somebody that's around you, your spouse, somebody that's there. And the takeaway today is, who do you need to reach out to before December 25th? I mean, who is that person? Who is that? I left a blank there in your notes. Would you take a moment and think about that today? Who is it? That one person, don't start with multiple people, just start with the one person that God brings to mind here during this message, during this service, is you would write down that person's name and say, who do I need to reach out to before December 25th and begin to just own this and say, you know what, God, I'm going to come with a heart of humility and I'm going to make the first move and I'm going to just come and say, hey, I want to make this right. I'm not sure what happened. And so, you know, one person in this church already did this. She drove out of state to her 
brother's house, she told Chris and I last week, and had the conversation and worked towards reconciliation in their relationship as siblings. And she said it went well, better than expected. That's a first mover. That's somebody that took the word and just said, you know what, I'm going to step out, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go attempt to reconcile the differences. Well, I've done that so many times. Hey, if God tells you to do it again, then you do it again, right? He may have you do it again tomorrow. You just be obedient to to the word of the Lord. My question for you is, why would you let another Christmas come knowing there's a relationship that's not reconciled? So take a moment and fill in the blank. Some of you listen to this, yeah, eh. Oh, I know. Because I'm human like you. Eh, I'm just going to pass this word right in and move it right out. Right? Let's get it out. I'm going to go and celebrate this week. But listen, I mean, let's celebrate. Let's go do this thing that we're celebrating. This is about reconciliation. That's what this is about. It's being reconciled. Not only with God, but with one another. So take a moment, fill in the blank. So remember, you own the offer, not the result. Where do you start? Maybe you start the way Jesus started with us. I don't even know how to start. How about this? I want to tell you I love you. Because love was demonstrated to us. And we're called to demonstrate love to other people. Come on, church. Amen? Amen. Come on. This is the heart of why God sent Jesus. It started out, you know, I want, I want to tell you, I, I love you. I love you down deep, and that's why I'm coming, and I'm going to make the first move. For those of you ladies that would move beyond fear, for those of you men that would decide to own it and be a leader, take the first step. This could be the Christmas that changes everything. See, the root word of reconciliation in the original language, it means something's changed. Something's changed, Right? Something's changed this Christmas. That you can't go another Christmas carrying the same baggage day after day and year after year. This Christmas, would you be so bold to demonstrate what you celebrate? That's bold. That's bold. But remember, you're more like Jesus when you're the one that's going and you're wanting to reconcile the relationship first and you're the first mover because that's what God did through Jesus Christ. I'm going to reconcile this thing. I want to. And yeah, it's not going to happen overnight, but I'm going to attempt to do this and this is the heart of the Father and God will bless that every time. That Who do you need to go to before December 25th and make something right with? So you're not carrying that out of this year and into next year. Why carry that baggage one more day? Amen? Amen. I mean, I know like you, we live in a world where there is a lot of baggage in our lives when it comes to relationship. You start talking about relationships like this, and everybody goes quiet. Because why? It hits home to us. It's real. It's powerful. It, It is hard. In this time of year, it's the magnifying glass. It is the spotlight on our life. Because why? We're singing all these Christmas songs, but the heart of these Christmas songs is about love, and it's about reconciliation. That's the real deal this this season. That's the real deal this Christmas holiday. That's what the real deal is every year as it comes and as it goes. It's what God wants us to live in 12 months of the year. I just want to encourage you with that word today.
because we need to be reconciled and the world needs to be reconciled as well. And God has placed us in this world to love them like he loved them. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you know the conviction that's going on in this room online, Clearbrook, that there are people we need to reach out to, that we celebrate this Christmas everything you did for us, that you came even when it was all of our fault. And you made the first move that cost you way more than it will ever cost us. And you keep coming and trying and you keep holding out the offer of salvation and accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. For those of us who know there's a name on our minds right now that we would not let December 25th pass by without making an offer of reconciliation. And as we do it, it will not only affect us and transform our hearts, but it will affect many that are around us, Lord. That just making it right even with one relationship has a ripple effect to our lives and our families and also being obedient to your word. I pray that we would take this word to heart. That God, yeah, you can use anyone. You even used the life of Tamar and you redeemed it and you reconciled it and you wrote it in the Christmas story. But also you're calling us to reconcile our differences and our problems and our faults with other people, Lord, so that we would not allow that to weigh us down this Christmas season. And that we know that for anyone that would want to come and accept your offer, that you freely give it as you do day after day, moment after moment. And that is that we can have a new life and that we are new creations in you. So, Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name today, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.